Good afternoon. It's great to be here with everyone. Uh, I appreciate Kevin Finnerty inviting me, and then he left town. I don't know if there's any connection there, but uh, I'll talk to him about that later. As was mentioned, I'm Larry Craig, and uh, I'm privileged to serve as one of the elders for the New York City Church. And uh, we also serve on the ministry staff. Uh, we live out in New Jersey, and we're glad to, very glad to get to be here with you today. Uh, summer is crazy. I don't. It's true. The older you get, the faster time goes. Somebody told me that, and I'm going to say that it's true. Uh, it's been a fun summer. Many of us went to St. Louis for the Reach Conference, and that was a very, very inspiring time. Uh, we had teen camp. We had preteen camp. Uh, thanks to those of you who went and served. I always get to go a little bit. Uh, I last a couple of days at preteen camp and about three days at pre uh, teen camp and preteen camp. But it's just a very, very special time. It takes a lot of work and effort on the part of a lot of people. But it's uh, totally worth it as we are trying to influence young people's lives. And, of course, this summer we've had the Olympics. I've gotten to see a little bit of it. If it weren't for modern convenience of DVR, I wouldn't see any of it. But uh, it's inspiring to see people who work so hard and, and sometimes handle defeat in a great way and victory in a great way. When I was in high school, kind of a long time ago, I was a sprinter. And I keep thinking that somebody's going to kind of call me to come give Usain Bolt a little competition, but it hasn't happened yet, Derek. I don't know. Maybe 2020. I doubt it, though. We are very glad to be here. Mary Lou and I are very blessed to be part of the New York City Church. As is mentioned, if you're a guest today, I'm a guest, too. So if you don't like this message, I may not be back for a while. Somebody else will be here next week, so give it another try if this is your first time. Uh, we're very privileged, uh, Mary Lou and I, to also uh, sponsor a, a little family reunion this summer. Every, every other summer, our three children and their spouses and nine grandchildren always gathered our house. That adds up to 17 people. Uh, if you've been to our house, it's not designed for 17 people. But uh, we just have a very great time, and we're very blessed uh, that God's given us a great family. We have three uh, very grown children who each have three children. Our son and his family live in Los Angeles. He's in the ministry in Los Angeles. He's a songwriter. He wrote uh, uh, Lead Me to the Rock that we sang today, as well as Be With Me, Lord, and a bunch of songs we sing. Yeah, I'm, I'm a proud father. He's 45, but he's still my little boy. And then we have two daughters, one daughter and her family, part of our church in Long Island, and the other daughter uh, lives in uh, New Jersey, very near us. So they've given us nine grandchildren. The oldest is 17, and the youngest is four. So we have lots and lots of fun. I do love the role of being granddaddy, and I want to tell you just a brief story, and I'm, I really am going to make it apply to our message somehow, so stay with me. If you're a grandparent... You understand. Our one granddaughter who lives close to us named Hana, her, her dad's Japanese, and she's got a beautiful Japanese name that means flower in Japanese. But she's 11 now. This is her second year at preaching camp. 
But when she was about four, she came to spend the night at her house. She spends the night pretty frequently because they live close to us. And at that time, uh, she would always sleep on a, on a little mattress in our room at the end of our bed. And so as she was coming over, I said, so, Hannah, are you going to sleep in our room tonight? And she said, it's not your room. It's grandmother's room. <laughs> and I said, no, it, it's my room, too. She said, no, no, it's grandmother's room. You sleep in grandmother's room. My dad sleeps in my mom's room. And then she started naming other people. Angie sleeps in Arda's room. The Curtis is there, good friends with. Michelle, Damon sleeps in Michelle's room. She went, I'm like, okay. I kind of let it drop. And then I started thinking about that. That that was a very profound observation that I'd never noticed before. The man sleeps in the woman's room. What do I mean by that? Think about how most married couples, the bedroom is decorated. Is it what you would call manly? I really started thinking about that. You know, I, I have a New York Giants pennant that one of my daughters gave me. I have an office down in, in, our, in our basement. Do you think that pennant's on the wall in our bedroom or in the basement? I have a clock that my other daughter gave me. And instead of 1, 2, 3, 4 through 12, it's got muscle cars on it. Maybe you've seen one of those. And when it gets to the time, instead of a, you know, it goes, rum, rum, everybody's got it. Okay, where do you think that is? In the basement. There are never any old bowling trophies or, you know, man stuff. And, and it, it's, it's the woman's room. And that's okay. Sometimes somebody just looks at something that it seems very obvious, but you just don't quite notice. Maybe because it's so obvious. And it takes kind of some fresh eyes. It took my four-year-old granddaughter to teach me that it wasn't my room. <laughs> Sometimes we overlook what is kind of obvious. Now, hold on to that thought a minute. Let me, let me ask you something else. Let's talk about our Bible knowledge a minute. Let's have a little quiz. Uh, let's see. Can anybody name the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew? No, I can't either. Can you name the Can you name the ten spies that didn't think they could go in the land? Uh, David, no, he could. I don't know. I can't either. Maybe we can name the twelve sons of Jacob if we kind of put it all together. Okay, here's one I know you know. What's the greatest commandment? Love. We're we're all saying it at a little different paces, but we got it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Let me ask you another question. How many times is that in the Bible, that statement? You think a minute. How many times do you think it's in the Bible? Love the Lord your God with all. 
I heard somebody say four. Four? What do you, okay, what do you think? Oh, okay. Actually, three. He's got his hand up back there. Three. And one of them is the same situation. All right. Uh, turn with me to Mark 12, please. Mark chapter 12. This statement that we're going to read, Mark 12, the, the context, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Notice that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important one? Now, you have to understand that in, in the Jewish culture at this time, this question, which is the greatest commandment, was a consistently debated question, particularly among the rabbis. They were always trying to decide, no, this one's greater, this one's greater, which one's greater? So this man notices, boy, this Jesus seems to have some understanding here. Let me ask him. And we know that without, it seems, the slightest hesitation, Jesus gives the answer. Verse 29, the most important one answer Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And he continues. The second is this. Love your neighbors yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. And the questioner commends him. Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament, obviously, because it's talking about commands. Anybody remember where this originally is found in the Old Testament? Deuteronomy? Yes, sir. Deuteronomy 6. You get the prize. I don't have anything. Piece of gum later. Amen. <laughs> Deuteronomy 6. You know, Deuteronomy is, is basically Moses' extended farewell address, knowing that he's not going to the promised land. And he says to the people back in chapter 6, First of all, this first part is significant. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We kind of move over the first, that first part sometimes too quickly. That was very profound. Why was it so profound? And they, they come out of Egypt. How many gods did they have in Egypt? I don't know, a whole bunch of them. And it starts saying, look, there's one God. God is one. And then he says, love the Lord your God. All right, so Jesus repeats this. And the, the parallel passage is in Matthew 22. In other words, Matthew and Mark both describe the same scene. So it's not really said twice. It's just recorded twice. You follow me? Now, here's what to me, as I started thinking about this one time, is kind of like the no, I sleep in grandmother's room thing that I would never really thought about before. Let me ask this. If something is extremely important to you, all right, let's take those of you who are, who are parents and you really want your child to get this. How many times are we tempted to say it? Yeah, somebody said a zillion. We got three up to a zillion. And it's some, you know, I mean, we want to make sure we get the point across, right? Did you hear me? Tell me back what I just said. You got it. If this is the most important commandment, the most important concept 
of all of them. How come it's only there three times? That's not how I think. Well, God doesn't think the way I think. I've noticed that a few times. There are some other places that talk about loving God, but they're different. You know, Paul says to the Corinthians that God has prepared some amazing things for those who love him. If you love him, all these things are going to happen. And he's quoting from Isaiah. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. But as far as specifically commanded, charged, exhorted, encouraged to love God with everything, this is it. Isn't that kind of interesting? Why is it not on more pages if it's so important? That's how I would have done it. About every third page, remember? I don't know. This is just my conjecture, but I think this is what makes sense to me. If this is the most important thing, how come he doesn't say it over and over and over and over and over again? Because this command is a response. It's not just a command. Are you loving God? Are you loving God? That doesn't always help me. Okay, I'm supposed to be loving God. It's a response. It's a response to God's love. First John 4:19 says, "We love why? Because he first loved us." Doesn't even command us to love. It just states that we love because he loved us. Love God with all that you are and have and ever will be. Yes. That's the essence of following Jesus and being a Christian, isn't it? But that comes as a response to understanding how much God loves us. Loving Him comes not because it's commanded over and over and over again. It comes as you and I grasp More and more and more how much God loves us. That's what is on every page. Pretty much from Genesis to Revelation. The concept that God loves us. The Bible doesn't say over and over and over again, you better love God. Now, we we need to. But it does say over and over and over again, through example, through circumstance, God loves us. That's Genesis. I mean, he loved man. He saw that poor old guy needed a wife. Oh, my goodness. And he loved him. And he said, I'm, I'm going to get you some help here. And the restrictions put on them in the garden was because God loved them. And when they sinned, it's really an example of what the psalmist says. God doesn't treat us as their sins deserved. And when their boys got into a big argument and one killed the other and Cain needed to be punished, God still protected him 
from some of the consequences that could have come. And when you go through, don't you see over and over again God loves His people? And He takes care of them, and He protects them, and He treats us better than we deserve? I read the Bible through every year, and uh, for the past many years I've read it in what's called a chronological Bible. You know, the, the, the Bible... It's, this is the inspired Word of God from page 1 to the last page. How it is put together, the order, is not necessarily inspired. You understand what I'm saying? And when you read it, it, it doesn't all happen just chronologically. And I like to read it when, for example, the prophets in the Old Testament are fit into the history of what's happening. It's just another way of reading it. I'm saying that to say... Every time, every year in August, I'm in the same place. Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel. Oh, my goodness. Jeremiah had a very profoundly disturbing message for God's people. They're going to be captured, and they're going to be in bondage for 70 years, and it's going to be terrible. But he still says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Those are the words of God. And he provided a plan and a solution. Ezekiel had a challenging message about the consequences of their sin. And yet God revealed himself to Ezekiel and the people. And this thing, I don't know why Steven Spielberg hasn't gotten hold of, the wheels and the cherubim and all this stuff that is just beyond imagining. God was saying, I love you and I'm here and I'm way bigger than any of this stuff that's happening. God loves us. Isn't that Jesus coming into the world? The Word became flesh, John says. Why? Because that's what we needed. We needed forgiveness. We needed redemption. That was, as it was talked about earlier in communion. God is saying, I love you. That's all the way through Revelation. What does a revelation mean? I'm not sure exactly. But here's what I know. There's the picture of God bringing victory to the people that He loved. When you think about this, even from, from, from a, a human standpoint, you know, Mary Lou and I, on Tuesday, celebrated our 47th wedding anniversary. Amen. We look so young because we got married when we were 10. No, 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 not really. All right. There would be something wrong with our relationship. If every morning when we got up, one of us said to the other, you know you're supposed to love me today. You got that? Remember? You going to love me today? Okay. Leave me alone. <laughs> shouldn't have to work that way, right? I do try to love her every day. But I tell you why. I mean, she's, <laughs> it really is, in so many ways, after all these years, a response to how much she loves me. This is one really gracious, patient lady, I'm telling you. Sometimes in the little things, 
You know, this, this isn't a, a, a marriage class today, but if you've been married about a week, you found out you married somebody real different from you. And we just, <laughs> amen, we're Christians, so our, our main values are the same, but we just approach a lot of things differently, and we still do, and we probably always will. One of those things. I don't know. I have what probably borders on some kind of psychological neuroses issue. I don't know what quite quite the word is about wanting to be places on time. But that means to me like way early. My dad was that way. Oh, my goodness. He used to drive me crazy. And now I drive everybody around me crazy if I'm not careful. I just I want to make sure we're there on time. Okay, today. I looked on my phone, I looked online, I looked on the GPS, how long it's going to take to get from where we live in New Jersey to here. And it varied between 45 and 53 minutes. So I left an hour and a half early. Because <laughs> you never know what the GWB is going to be like, right? Uh, we're, we're coming up Henry Hudson, and there's a big wreck on the other side, and it's all backed up. And really so great. She said, that's why you leave early, isn't it? She, she would not leave as early as I do. Not that she's going to be late. It's just. And, you know, a long time ago, she learned she's just going to take a book to read when we get there and sit in the car. <laughs> now that we got, you know, iPhones, there's lots of things she can do as we sat out there about 20 minutes. In the car before we came in. She's just so gracious. Sometimes I'll say, oh, mm, the traffic wasn't as bad as I thought. She just smiles. <laughs> About one time out of 50, it's worse than I thought. But you're okay. What's the thing? She's just so patient. She just doesn't. Why? Boy, you got us here early again. Never get that. You know, in, in some more serious ways. She's been so patient with me. You know, there were some times in our marriage I just was a pretty terrible husband. And I'm sorry. She was so gracious and so patient and never throws that up at me. And, you know, it's so good. If you're visiting today, one thing we treasure about our church is the relationships we have with each other. And that, you know, it's just great to have people in your life that you can just always be real with. And they're going to love you anyway. And, you know, uh, a brother like that made an observation to me one time. Again, something I never thought about. He said, you know, I've noticed you never seem really upset with Mary Lou. Oh, well, it's not that. We don't get on each other's nerves sometimes, believe me. I thought about it a minute. I thought, you know, that's true. But it's more about her than it is about me. Because I thought about what happens when I get irritated about her. And I could tell you the things that she does that irritates me, but I, I want to have a better ride home than that. And so that's not your business. But I realized I really do go through a thought process of thinking, I'm irritated about this, but oh my goodness, all the way she's loved me. I'm a terrible jerk if I'm mad about this when I look at the big picture. You follow what I'm saying? It's, this, it's not that I'm awesome. It's like 
No, she's loved me. And so my response is to love her. I'm saying all that to say it's the same thing with God. We need to be charging and challenging each other. And, you know, when, when somebody's getting baptized, generally, as we're counting the cost, we always talk about loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's what you're supposed to do. We can't stop there. That is not just an isolated command. The context is always we love because He first loved us. And that's what the Scripture keeps telling us. Uh, look with me a minute at Ephesians 1 that was already read this morning. Uh, the same passage. And I want to notice something else that Paul says there. Ephesians 1. As we, as, uh, we heard this morning about being redeemed, there's something else that Paul says in that passage in connection with that when he says, Verse 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. In love, he adopted us. You know, if, if you were adopted as a child, I, I hope you understand what an amazing thing happened because somebody really wanted you. Somebody had to go through a lot of money and effort. And I mean, it's a, it's a very, it's a very amazing thing, a very deliberate thing. And Paul says in love, God adopted us. Now, take this a step further. In order to adopt us, what did God have to do with his own son? Watch him die. That's a whole other thing. You go to adopt a child and they say, tell me about your children. Okay, you know you got to give them up. Ooh, wait a minute. God gave his son on the cross to adopt us. It says in love. And the Bible's full of this idea. You know, in, in chapter 2, in verse 4, Paul's talked about how we were dead in our sins, hopeless, helpless. And he says, but because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. That love that was demonstrated so profoundly on the cross as God exchanged the life of his son for our redemption. You talk about being loved. And it's almost... Uh, it's almost an, an embarrassment, I think, for God to have to say, I hope you love me back. Excuse me? So many passages. You know, Paul says, Christ's love controls me, compels me. Paul said in Galatians, I've been crucified. I don't live anymore. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What does all this mean practically? Do we need to be reminding each other that our goal, our, our, our purpose is to love God with everything we are? Certainly. But more than that, on a real personal level, I've got to stay in touch with how much God loves me. So that doesn't become just a command. But it becomes a response 
to what I understand. You know, that's what communion is all about. Getting in touch again with the love of God. That God would send His Son. The older I get, and I think, you know, I thought I understood that when I had children, but now they have grandchildren. It's a whole other realm of love that I can't imagine the love it would take to sacrifice one of them for something else. You know, that's why we stay in the Word. That's why i got to get up every morning and get my cup of coffee and sit in my chair and read my Bible. Because this is God's revelation to us of His love. And it's there over and over again. This is why we spend time in prayer. And you know, a real key to a great prayer life It's found when Paul says to the Philippians, present your request to God with, you know the word? You know, thanksgiving. As I'm enumerating to God my thanks for the blessings he's given me, boy, I feel his love so much more. Our circumstances on any given day are not necessarily a true reflection of God's loving us. You know what? God doesn't love me because I had a bad day. No. But when we stand back and look at the blessings we have as Christians, sometimes in spite of the difficult circumstances that we face, we know God loves me. Why do I get to have the wife I have? Why do we get to have the children we have? and the grand- Why do I get to have the friends that we have? What helps you remember God's love? It may be somewhat different things. It may be different verses. You know, that you just got that go-to verse that, get, that just reminds you, oh, I know you love me. I know you love me. Thank you. It may be some, some people, nature is just such a reminder, not just of the majesty and power of God, but the love of God. I have a di- very dear friend who's uh, like a mom to me, the, actually the mom of my uh, best friend who drowned Years ago, 1970, she's 99 years old. She says all the time, God made the world so beautiful. He didn't have to do that. He just wanted us to enjoy it. And that's so true. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a song, a hymn. Maybe it's something. Maybe it's holding a child. Maybe it's that time in communion where we remember, oh, God, thank you for loving me. I appreciate that we're part of a fellowship that takes very seriously the commitment to be disciples of Jesus. And we're really trying to live lives that are holy and righteous. And as again, as you remind me of communion, it's a holiness that comes from God more than from us. But we are really trying to be different from the world, not in a self-righteous way, not in an arrogant way, but we are following Jesus and that changes us. However, as we emphasize that and preach that and teach that, we can't lose the motivation. We're not disciples of discipleship. We're disciples of the one who loves us. Let me give you a little exercise. Sometime in the next couple of days, answer a couple of questions. And they're very simple questions. If you got a piece of paper, write this down. If you, you know, most people write on phones or something now. I don't know. I'm old fashioned. Here's a couple of sentences to complete. 
One, I feel loved by God because. I feel loved by God because. And fill that in. And the second is very similar. I feel loved by God when. I feel loved by God when. We need to remind ourselves. There's one complete constant in our world and universe in my life. God loves me. And I make decisions based on that, but the decisions really come from that foundation. So where have we been today? We know the first commandment. Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I believe there's a reason that even though that's the greatest commandment, it just doesn't, it's just not on very many pages. Because what all, what is on very many pages? God's saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I believe God wants us to be motivated not by a command, but by his love. Because that's what's going to get us to the end. That's what's going to get us to the end. When we, as we've sung, you know, that day when faith becomes sight, it truly will be well with our souls. But it's because we love in response to how much God loves us. Amen.